Hi, this is Pastor Furman with Lubbock Unified Church. Uh, you are listening to Messages on the Go. We pray that this message will bless you today and that you will receive a word from God that will help you in your life. If you ever want to visit us in person, feel free to stop by any Sunday, 2707 34th Street. Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Or you can join us for a Wednesday night refuel service with some prayer, some worship, and a word every Wednesday at 6.30, same location. We would love to have you. Now, let's jump into this week's message. I ain't want to turn out like Parmenos. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I turned out all right. <laughs> Not as good. Man, I'm excited to bring the word to y'all this morning. On Palm Sunday, the funny thing about it is I always end up saying Psalms Sunday. You know but Palm Sunday, you know, today marks the beginning of many in the world and faith called Holy Week is it's the preparation to Jesus being crucified and also being risen. I know for a lot of people when it comes to this day in particular, they always think automatically of just Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Um, but the thing that I've learned throughout my life walking with God, and there's always so much more to the story. He's always got so much more than just what the highlight reel says. And I pray that as we read his word, that he'll reveal that to us. And of course, I, I want to start off by praying just that we would continue to be in a posture to receive from the Lord this morning. And if you'll join me in that. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. It's crazy to just to think of how thoughtful you are. That even before we ever acknowledge you or think about you, Lord, you've already set things up in a way so we could experience your love in a way that is real. And so, Lord, this morning, we just ask for that, uh, that we would have a true encounter with you, one that refreshes us, maybe one that restores us, one that brings healing, maybe one that brings out conviction and confession so we can lay things at your feet that we need to quit carrying. Father, we thank you that you are a God of mercy, of forgiveness, that you are a God that loves us uh, greater than we love ourselves at times or can be loved by anybody else. So, Father, help us soak in your presence and your love and tune our ears to your voice this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, and we give you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're less than a week away from the Passover celebration. If you know anything about Passover, it's this huge festival that would happen every year and it still continues to happen. Um, but what is Passover, right? You probably have heard of it, kind of got a gist of it, but really don't have great understanding. So I just want to give you a, a little bit of background. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in it, but it was a day in which God freed Israelites from Egypt. Okay? There was a period when God's chosen people, the Israels, were slaves in Egypt and to the Pharaoh. And for so many years, they always felt like, man, where's God at? They were slaves, they were being oppressed. And then one day there was a man who grew up as an Egyptian. He saw the oppression happening, and it actually led to him killing somebody. And he ran away. And for 40 years, he was out there just being a shepherd, going through his normal day-to-day -day life. And then one day he had an encounter with God. You see, one day God came and talked to him through a burning bush. And that's really crazy to think, like, why, God, would you choose that way to talk to him? But the more that I thought about that and I processed that, it just reminded me of 
who God is. I think sometimes we can feel so far removed from things that we've known that we feel like nobody can reach us. But the truth is, God knows exactly where we are all the time, and he can reach out to us anytime, anyway. And he usually does it in a way that's going to be rememberable. He usually does it in a way that you're going to receive it the most. He's going to do it in a way that you can't deny that it was him. And that's what we see. He spoke to Moses, and he said, Moses, I'm going to use you to free the Israelites, to free your people. Moses was like, I can barely even talk. I'm the last person. He said, don't listen to all that. Just go and do what I'm telling you. And Moses went to the Pharaoh and he told him, hey, God said you need to let these people go or these plagues are going to come. And the Pharaoh was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. These are my slaves. These are my people. And he wouldn't listen. So Moses warned him, okay, there's going to be seven plagues and each one is going to be worse than the other one. But the Pharaoh didn't care. Moses will release a plague and the Pharaoh would have something to match it and say, man, I could do the same tricks to him. So plague after plague kept happening, and it finally got to the seventh one. Now this one was going to be different than all of them, because this one was going to cost him death. And he told Moses, I want you to go to the Pharaoh and tell him, look, if you don't let my people go this time, I'm going to kill the firstborn sons of the livestock of all of Egypt. The Pharaoh was like, do whatever you want to do. I'm not letting my people go. These are my people. They ain't even yours. So Moses went back and he went to Israelites and he told them, hey man, God said he's getting ready to send a plague of death. It's going to sweep through the land. It's going to take the life of all the firstborn. So God is asking us to do something in preparation for this. He wants us to go and get one of the firstborn of the livestock so that's around one years old, a sheep or a goat. Assemble everybody and we're going to give it as an offering. We're going to sacrifice it. We're going to collect the blood. We're going to use the meat to make a meal in celebration of this. Everything else we're going to burn. We're going to take some of that blood and we're going to smear it over the doorpost. And whenever God sends this plague tonight, it's going to pass over us. And God is going to deliver us and set us free. And so the Israelites did that. They went, they selected it. They, you know, they got the blood, they made the meal, they burnt everything else. They put it on their door frames and they woke up in the morning to the Pharaoh saying, man, y'all need to get up out of here because God did exactly what he said. He killed all the firstborn. So they were able to be free from Israel. And God said, I want you to always remember this day of deliverance. Remember the God that heard your cries. Remember the God that can always be there for you. Remember the power that I have. Remember that I'm always there. And I want you to call this Passover <coughs> festival. It's a day of remembrance. A day that you will make a sacrifice and offering a reminding what we've done in this moment. And so you fast forward. Now Jesus is walking the earth. And their people are still celebrating this Passover festival. But it also talks about the beauty of God. Because Palm Sunday was the day that you would go out and select the animal. And then you would bring it back home. You would care for it until the whole assembly gathered to make their offerings to prepare their meals. And so Jesus entering into Jerusalem on this day is almost like God saying, I've selected my offering. I've picked my firstborn son. I've picked my son that has no defects, that is blameless, that is spotless. I'm ready to do an offering to forgive all offerings. You see, this wasn't the only offering that the Israelites were used to. There's also one for a day of atonement. 
And that was the day that you would go and you would sacrifice an animal in light of the things that you've done against God. We all call about sin, right? You've heard about sin in church. That is us rebelling against God. So that means anytime that God has said to do something and we've done the opposite, we're sinning. And God says in his word that the wages of uh, the penalty for a sin is death. It says that in Romans. That's the wages of sin is death. And if you look back through the Bible, you see that time and time again. Even in the very beginning with Adam and Eve as they walked the earth. They were disobedient to God. God kicked them out of the garden. And it said that they had leaves and stuff. But then God covered them with animal skins. So that showed that a penalty had to come for their mistakes. Blood had to be shed. So every year blood was being shed up to this point. Until Jesus came entering in. And God said, look, I'm going to do this one last time. So that way blood doesn't have to be shed any longer. And so that's what we're picking up in this story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem today. It's a powerful story. And there's so much into it. And that's the beauty about the word of God. As many times as you can read the scriptures and you learn something, there's always something new. We're always in a different season of life. We're always seeing things differently. And sometimes God has a different message for a different season. And so I'm excited to read this word with you today because this is a word that's being read every year. Every year throughout many churches, they're reading the same word, the same word. But I'm praying more than anything that every year it hits us a little differently. That we respond a little differently to it. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, reading about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And at this point, Jesus has already been in preparation for what's about to happen. And he's still doing Jesus things. He's still sharing people messages. That they don't quite understand. He's still recruiting people. Hey, come and be a part of what we're doing. But we're going to pick up in verse 28. In Luke 19. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn to it. If not, we'll have the verses on the screen. And I'll tell you this too, church. Don't be scared to take your phone out. Take pictures. Take notes. Whatever that looks like for you. But let's read this word. It said, after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. And as he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Jesus is funny sometimes, man, but he already knows two things. They're not going to understand what he's asking of them. And if he leaves too much room for them to question, they're probably not going to do it. So he said, let me make it very basic. Let me make it very simple for you. I need you to go get this, this colt, right? This young donkey. I need you to bring it here. And I know you already think, Lord, what happens? They're going to ask me. Don't even ask all that. Just say the Lord needs it. Just go do that. Then he sends them off. He often knows he got to keep it simple with us, right? We make things a lot harder than what they're supposed to be. But I want you to take this away this morning. Obedience requires competence, not understanding, okay? Obedience requires you being able to carry out the mission. Don't always mean you have to understand what's going on or the reasoning behind it, okay? And when you're a parent... You have kids, one thing you learn very quickly is they're going to have questions. 
And they all just have a couple of questions. They might have all the questions, okay? <laughs> Me, I got four children. They always question everything all the time. And my son, he's four years old. He's at that stage that he's really the best questioner we got. And one of the questions he often says is, Dad, can I go ride my bike outside? And I'm like, gee, I love you, bro, but it's cold out there. Like, no, nah, not today. Dad, I'm going to put my jacket on. Can I go ride my bike? I said, nah, gee, like I told you, it's cold, man. I don't need you getting sick. Dad, I'm not going to get sick. I'm like, just question after question. And I don't think he asks questions because he's intrigued of my answers, okay? He asks it because he wants understanding. That's something we all want. We want understanding. How many of us have had understanding about something that somebody asked of us? And we're like, yeah, that's no problem. Why am I doing that? Because it makes sense in our mind. And as you grow older, right, and you, you battle with that understanding, when you lack it, you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. That don't make sense in my head. I'm doing the math. That ain't adding up. The math is not mathing. That's what we say in our home a lot of time. It ain't adding up. So I don't know if I really want to do that. We all have this internal struggle with us where when we lack understanding, it messes up our obedience. And that's a hard thing when it comes to walking out faith with the Lord because the thing you're going to learn in a relationship with Him is you ain't going to understand a lot of things. It doesn't matter if it's the beginning of a relationship or the end of that relationship, you go into heaven, there's going to be a lot of misunderstanding in that relationship. And that's not because God doesn't want to give you insight or understanding. It's because he wants you to have a faith that's not built on that. And that's something that we read through this story. Something that we learn in this faith. And it reminds me of a, faith, of a verse that I've heard a lot in my life. And we're going to have it on the screen. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. Y'all read that with me. It said what? Walk by faith, not by sight. How many of y'all heard that verse before in your life? A couple times. A couple times, right? I think the Lord knows we got trust issues. Many of us have probably been let down. We've probably had childhoods where people that we trusted broken that trust. And it's always that lack of trust that makes us aggressors of understanding. And what I mean is we were always like, you know what? Unless I understand the reasoning, I'm not going to do it. But that verse right there just says, hey, man, you ain't going to be able to understand everything. You're going to have to trust what the Lord is saying and asking of you. And I don't know if you caught at the beginning of that scripture that we read when it talked about them traveling over there. It says Jesus was walking ahead. And then he went and asked something of them. And that's something I want you to write on your heart, okay? That anything that God is asking of you is something that he's already been preparing for you. It's not something that he just had a whim and said, you know what, why don't you just go and do this? He's more thoughtful than that. He's already 10 steps ahead of all of us. God has already prepared the way, church. And that's what we need to know because when we walk by our sight, a lot of times we're limiting what God is trying to do because we're trying to use our eyes. We're trying to make sense of it all. So we're like, I don't know, man. I really don't feel like that's the right thing, Lord. But his word says we can't be living that way. We can't be walking that way. There's a misconception, too, when you become a believer. And I had this for the very beginning. I thought, okay, if I get saved, I give my life to Jesus. My life is fixed. That's number one. 
Number two, I'm going to have some Jesus knowledge. So I'm going to understand everything that happens in my life. It's not the truth. The truth is there's always going to be some gray areas. And yes, you do grow in greater insight and understanding as you walk with the Lord. But there are a lot of times when things are just not going to make sense. There's going to be a lot of times when he's going to tell you to do something. And you're going to be like, ah, I guess so, Lord. If you say something, I'm going to have to trust that. Our obedience to God isn't something that he's leaning on our understanding to do. He's banking that we're confident enough to carry out the task. I mean, yeah, you ain't got to have all the tools. You ain't got to know everything. But you just got to trust that he's already figured it out. That he's asking you. That he's already made a way. He's prepared it. And he's just saying, walk with me in it. And so I want us to read what the disciples do after Jesus gives them this instruction. We're going to pick up at verse 32 through 34. So then it says, so they went and they found the coat just as Jesus had said it. You need to stay right there. We need to remind ourselves every time God does something, we need to say, okay, this is just like you said. He said, just as Jesus said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that coat? And the disciples simply replied, uh, the Lord needs it. So they brought the coat to Jesus and they threw their garments over him for him to ride on. When Jesus first called these disciples to walk with them, you know what he told them? Follow me. He didn't say, hey, we're going to go do this. This is the game plan. This is how it's all going to work out. He simply said, hey, follow me. You're going to have to trust me in this. If you believe I am who you think I am, then come find out. And even years later, he's still doing the same things. Hey, just go and do this thing. Anybody gives you a hard time, say this. And what do they do? They're like, it's worked before. I guess it's going to work now. I don't know. See, God doesn't always give us the whole picture, but he does always give us an opportunity to obey. It's not always going to give us insight, but always the opportunity to obey, the opportunity to grow our faith, the opportunity to grow our belief, to grow stronger. So you don't have to know the purpose behind what is being asked of you to believe that it's going to be done, to believe that it's important to God, that it is valuable to him, because it is. He's not going to just bring up stuff to you that doesn't have worth to it, that doesn't have purpose. That he didn't put some thought behind it. So let's not make things harder than what they are. Let's, let's keep it simple like Jesus does, right? And let's just do what he asks. He's not asking us to figure out things. He's asking us to trust that he already has. So let's continue. Let's see what happens next. We're going to go down to verse 36 now. And it says, as they rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started on the mountain of Olives, all the followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. People are just overwhelmed with joy. They're shouting. They're praising. By this time of Jesus entering, for one, he's already extremely known. A lot of people have even been witnesses to the miracles or even the people of the miracles. 
They've heard about Jesus. And then this is the Passover festival. It's the biggest gathering and celebration that they have in their culture. So for Jesus entering at this time, it's a significant symbol. It's a significant time. Because everybody's going to see him walking in. Everybody's like, oh man, is that Jesus? That's Jesus. And it really is the fulfillment of what a prophet has said, man, many, many years ago. The prophet Zechariah has said in chapter 9, verse 9, this won't be on the screen. But you can read through this in the Old Testament. It says, see your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowering and riding on a donkey, on a coat of a fowl of a donkey. At this point, many people were trying to understand who Jesus is. Is he John the Baptist? Is he a prophet? Is he Elijah? They have all these questions. But the moment that Jesus comes on this donkey riding in, it clicks. All their life, they've been hearing about a Messiah that was going to come, that was going to change their life, that was going to free them, that was going to give them a new way. So all their life they've been taught this, they've been reading the scriptures, they've been preparing and waiting for this moment, and now they see Jesus riding in, fulfilling the very thing that they've been taught about. So you gotta imagine the joy to be in that moment of being like, oh my gosh, like this is happening in my lifetime. This is happening with my eyes see. We all know it's something different when you're there in an environment and you witness something firsthand, right? It's cool when somebody shares a story with you, like, man, that's powerful. But when you experience it for yourself, Man, it's life-changing. And we see that. Many people see him entering and they start confessing praises to the Lord. In some translations it said they were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! In Hebrew that means it's a prayer of saying, save us! Save us! It's acknowledging, oh my, man, this, this is the Savior. This is the Messiah that's walking in. In other translations it says that they cut palm branches from the field and they laid them down along with the garments making them ready. So everything is in an uproar and everybody's mind is being blown. They're like, oh my God, it's actually happening. Like, it's, it's messing them up. And as I was reading that, I was just spending time with the Lord. He was just like, man, you know, we could all praise the Lord differently. But one thing that you learn in the way that you praise the Lord, it says a lot about how you believe in him. And so I want you to take that away this morning. That how you praise God can reveal how much you believe. How you praise Him. Now, a lot of times we look at other people and we're like, Lord, they are not praising you right. But we don't know their posture. We don't know their heart. We got to understand that everybody praises the Lord in their own ways. But the thing is, the Lord knows where the praise is coming from. The Lord knows how much we believe. And a lot of times we say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in the Lord. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people's praise and their prayers are shallow. They're hollow. There was a song I once heard and it said, man, if you understood my struggle, man, you will understand my praise. Yeah. And I just think, man, our praise, it hits a lot differently when it comes a place of dependence on God. When it comes from a place of deliverance. When it comes a place of restoration and redemption. The level you praise God, it can reflect a lot about your belief in God. What are we talking about? It says some people were watching, they were cheering, right? Oh my God, that's the Messiah, that's Jesus, look. That didn't mean they have strong faith. They could have been quoting scripture about the prophecy, right? 
A lot of times we see people that can quote scripture and be like, oh, they got some strong faith. They know the word of God really well. Church, I'm being real honest with you, okay? I can't quote scripture really well. Part of that is I'm dyslexic. Part of that is my memory from my early days, my teenager days. It's like Eli said, okay? You want to become that. It makes you mad in life. But just because somebody can do that, it doesn't mean they have strong faith. You see, there are actors in movies that we watch, they memorize lines. Yeah. All of us know lyrics to some song that we memorize. There's a difference whenever the words are seen in the way that you live. How deep is your faith? We read that some people were just shouting and clapping. You ever been in a room, gone to an event, it's quiet like this, and somebody starts clapping, what happens? It was like, I guess we're clapping now. <laughs> we stand, we standing, we standing up. Okay. We standing up and cheering it. You see, it doesn't take much to be shouting out praise and be cheering. It doesn't take much to join in and participate. Amen. How deep is your faith? We read about somebody, and I shared with y'all that some of them cut palm branches, right? And they laid it down on the field. And you think about it, oh, well, that's a little bit of work, right? You got to go and find the branches, cut them, and then go and take them. But it's something we talked about, I want to say at the end of uh, the beginning of the years. It's easy to give away something that don't cost you much, right? That don't hold much value to you. Somebody gives me some hot dog buns, and it's easy for me to say, hey, you want these? All right, bless you. It didn't cost me much. It wasn't a huge sacrifice. How deep is your faith? But then we see some people, they lay down their garments, which means their clothes. And if you think about it, if they're laying it down, everybody's stomping on this, there's all these people walking through, there's a good chance that those garments are going to be torn. There's a good chance those garments are not going to be any good anymore. And in those times, man, this, this is something valuable, right? A lot of people really had money just to go to the store and buy new shoes and new stuff. So this was a larger sacrifice. This came from a place of really understanding, you know what? I don't care what I'm losing because I want to make sure that my praise signifies what I believe. How deep is your belief? How real is it? It's like I said. We could all praise the Lord differently. We're not all called to praise the Lord the same. But God knows exactly where that place is coming from. And at the end of the day, he's all he's asking of us is to do it in a way that we acknowledge him, that we please him. It's real easy to say, man, thank you, Lord, for this food. It's a cute saying, but where's your belief behind it? Our praise can be an insight to that. I want us to continue on now. Go to verse 39 through 40. We continue to read. It says, But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, Jesus replied, If you kept them quiet, the stones among the road would burst into tears. So we see there's always going to be some haters around, right? There are going to be some people trying to stomp on your party, on your parade. Jesus was actually quoting from scripture. He was also prophesying a little bit about things to come. But the thing that you see here is, man, I want you to take this away this morning. Have this on the screen.
God's glory and praise and won't be suppressed. It means you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do to block it out, to get it out of the way. It's not going to happen. God's still going to get his glory. He's still going to get his praise no matter how bad things look. And that's something I'm probably sure a lot of us struggle with when we look at the news, right? We see the devil all up in the face. We look at all these things. We start, man, that's an agenda right there by the enemy. We think like, man, they, they out here in broad daylight just showboating, calling out the Lord. And it's easy to find yourself viewing all these things, watching the news, watching a movie, going through social media and get discouraged and feel like, man, there is so much darkness and evil in this world. But the truth is, the thing that you see in the word of God and even this truth that Jesus is just sharing to them is that there is no amount of darkness can extinguish his light. Amen. There's nothing that can stop it. And as I was processing and thinking about that, it made me think about in uh, Peter chapter 5. And Peter writes, he says, man, the enemy roams around like a roaring lion, prowling, looking for somebody to devour but it never says that the enemy is a lion. And it made me think about the things that we live in, the times that we live in, of how much he's in our face. And it made me think, man, this dude is really desperate. He's like, I got to draw all attention on me so that way I can distract them. So that way they don't realize how good of a God they have. That just shows me if he's doing this in these times, man, how close are we are to the end of times for him? He sees the writing on the wall. He says, I'm running out of time. I got to do all the stops. But the thing is, you cannot stop the glory and the praise of the Lord. You cannot stop the will of God. So it doesn't matter what he does, what he throws, what he shows you. It's not the end of the story. And he knows the end of the story. And he's scrambling, trying to change it and give you a different narrative. He can't change it for you. So even when you find yourself in a place that you feel defeated, that it looks bleak, it looks dark, and you're saying, man, God, I need you to show up in this, you need to count on that the Lord already is. He's already working. When I was younger, I was a huge wrestling fan, okay? Just what I was, any WWF fans in the house? And it changed the name now, baby. I was a huge wrestling fan. My sister would tell you this. You know, I had, I had, the, I had the ring, I had it all, all right? Had the entrances down and stuff. But when I grew older, I kind of lost passion for it because I realized, you know, as much as they were athletic and they were cool, it was also fixed, right? And it made me think about the enemy. He knows the fight is already fixed. He can't win. And that's something we forget sometimes because we allow what's loud, what's in our face to pull us away from what is true. But the fight is fixed, church. So anytime that you find yourself in that place of desperation, in that place of darkness, say, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to make a way through this, but I know victory is the outcome. I know praise and glory is what you're going to get through this. So help me just hang on to your truth. Help me be anchored in you and weather this storm. And it made me think about the song we sang today, right? Say, rain came, wind blew, but my life is built on you. We have to build our lives on the Lord. Then you'll be able to weather storms. There's nothing church that the enemy can do about it. And no matter how much he roars, how much he tries to intimidate us, it's not going to stop. It's not going to change what God has already set in motion. 
He can't keep God quiet. So as a body, as a believer, as a church, we should be quiet even. I want us to finish our reading of what happens after this, though, with Jesus. <laughs> Verse 41, it says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build rampants against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you and your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. He was entering and it was breaking his heart as he was looking at people because he realized, man, they're going to turn on me in a couple of days. And the same people that are looking for love, that are hurting, that are suffering, that are in search of all these things, they're going to miss that I'm right here in this moment. They're going to miss out on what God has for them. They're going to be experiencing things that they could avoid. They're not going to see how much God loves them, wants a relationship with them, has good things spoken over them. I want us to finally take this away this morning. You have to recognize who Jesus is for yourself. Who is Jesus for you? Many people are going to share what they believe with you. Many people are going to share some strong cases. It's going to be real easy to be like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sounds right. But ultimately, it comes down to what you believe, what you decide. And let's be honest, okay? Following this word of God, following Jesus is harder than all of those things. And that's not to turn you away, but just to let you know that life isn't always going to be easy. But it will always be worth it. God never going to pressure you into choosing him, but he always chose you. And I'll apologize first off if you've ever felt like I pressured you into making that decision because that's not my place. My place is just to love you and help you where you're at. And I apologize for any pastor, any church that ever pressured you into making the decision to go and follow the Lord. Like, hey, you got to choose now. Tomorrow's not promised. <laughs> know what's going to happen outside of those doors. It's truth. But the Lord is a gentleman. He's not going to force you into submission and say, hey, say my name. Now say my name. You going to follow me now? You going to follow me. It's not who God is. But that's something you have to discover for yourself. Who God is. And it brings me all the way back to the intern and everything, right? Moses had an encounter. He discovered who God was for him. These disciples, that same thing. But I said that crowd that was praising him, that would be the same crowd a couple days later that would say crucify him. They all had this vision that Jesus was going to come. He was going to throw the Roman government. He was going to free everybody. And when they saw Jesus come and do something different, they didn't like that. You see, we all have this picture of God and the things that he should do for us. But the thing is, God's going to do what he needs to do for him. And you all fit into that plan for him. You all have a purpose and part of that. But you have to discover that for yourself. You have to trust that for yourself. It can't be built on your parents. It can't be built on your best friend. It can't be built on nobody else but you. 
I've had people go to church and be like, that church failed me, that pastor failed me. Man, you failed yourself too, though, to be honest. Ultimately, it's on you. We're responsible for our choices and our decisions. And as a body and a believer, I want to help you with that. But ultimately, I don't want to get in the way of that. A lot of people come and they ask me for advice, and I say, well, what did God tell you to do? Okay, do that. Because I got an idea, I got an opinion, but that ain't the Lord. And you need to follow him, not me. And it goes back to the beginning, right? Y'all clapping. Don't clap for me. Clap for the Lord. He don't want to deserve the praise and the glory. I ain't nobody. I'm just another broken person that God is, is somehow straightening me up and using. I don't know. <laughs> this is my challenge from all of us, okay? This is my challenge. Make your relationship with Jesus personal. Make it personal. The other way to make it personal is go spend time with them. Be real with them. That means share your heart. Them things you don't want to share with nobody else, take it to him. You read his word, you say, I don't know if that's real. Test it. Put it to practice. Find out how real this God is. How much he really loves you. That's something you got to do for yourself. Because we could tell you at church, we could do all these things. And ultimately, you'd be like, well, that's cool. But I get that same feeling when I go to the concerts. I get that same feeling at the club. Nah, man, you got to experience this for yourself. So that's my challenge. Make it personal and watch what the Lord does. In a moment, we're going to take part of the Lord's Supper. I want to get the guys to go and bring that. We're going to have two songs playing for worship. And I, whenever you feel ready, I want you to come and partake in this. Because this is what happened a couple days before he gave his life. He got some bread, he broke it, he blessed it. He said, man, this is my body that's going to be shed for you. It's going to be broken for you. He got some wine. He got no wine, okay? But he got some wine and he blessed it. And he said, man, this is my blood that will be shed for you. He said, before you take this, do this in remembrance of me. But I want you to come with a heart of correction. I want you to realign yourself with me. So anything that you begin in the way, then lay it at his feet. Anything you feel you need to confess, lay it at his feet. Anything you struggle with, lay it at his feet. Anything you want to give him thanks for, lay it at his feet. Lay it at his feet right now before you take this. And so if that means it takes you a second song, if that means you got to wait till everybody leaves, whatever the case may be, spend the time with the Lord and do this in remembrance of him. Make it personal. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are a personal God. That you are not a God that we can't have access to, Father. You make yourself available to us all the time and any time. It doesn't matter how far away or how hidden we are in this world, Lord. You know exactly where we are. And you are willing to touch us and reach out to us. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. Thank you for the ways that you love us, Lord. We ask your blessing upon this bread. As it signifies, may your body be broken down and given for us. We ask for your blessing on this juice as it signifies your blood being shed for us. Father, help us always spend time each day, every opportunity that we have, that we share a meal of acknowledging and remembering you, of coming to you, of coming to your feet and laying it down. So Father, we just thank you for the ways that you love us, the things you've spoken over us, for all the ways that you're at work right now. We thank you that the fight is fixed. As ugly as things may look at times, Father, we can say, man, my father said he already got it done. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to make a way. I just have to walk with him. 
Help us walk with you, Lord, in a way that's real. Father, we just love you and may this all give you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Uh, follow us online at Lubbock Unified on all platforms. And as always, if there's any way that we could help you, please get in contact with us. Other than that, join us next week as we continue to find ways to cross over. God bless.